0: Amen. Amen. This is a very special day on God's calendar. This is the last year of the Jewish, uh, or God. I guess it's, it's God's God's calendar. The Jews, the Jewish people, use it because God gave it to them, told them to, to keep the feasts and the festivals, and they are to remind uh, us that God is uh, has things in order. He has a plan. He has a design for all things, and. Uh, he wants us to remember that, and he wants us to follow his design, and when we follow his design, things are a lot easier. Have you ever noticed that? It's easier to swim, you know, with the current than against the current, and so most, most of the time in our life, it takes us a while before we figure that out. I don't know about you, but it took me a little while to figure out that I was heading up the wrong way. Uh, throughout this week, we were reminded of uh, one of uh, this nation's greatest tragedies of 9-11, and so it's been a week of remembrance, and you know we still remember those tragic events. And um, but you know, I, I made a little post on Facebook that a lot of people probably don't realize that that seven uh, minutes, seven hours, and seven days, right after that uh, the first plane hit. Can you turn this down just a little bit because it's right where I'm standing? I probably need to be back some because I'm right in the, where the speakers are hitting this microphone. So pardon me, but. Um, Seven minutes, seven hours, and seven days from the time that the first plane hit the, the first twin tower on 9 11 uh, 2001, the stock market fell 7% to a record of 684.81 points in one day it fell. Those are some pretty interesting numbers, and that was on Elul 29. It was on this date in the Jewish calendar. Uh, our calendar keeps those, you know, uh, it, it's a solar calendar. And God's calendar is a lunar calendar with kind of a little bit of a blend. And so th- those things never change. They, they're always the same. Now, our calendar goes around. That's why people say, well, when is Easter? Why does Easter always change? Or why does this, because it's not based upon the Gregorian calendar, it's based upon God's calendar. And those things never change. They're seasons. Um, you know, after that stock market crash in 2001, uh, seven days, seven hours and seven minutes after the first plane hit the, the, the tower. Uh, seven years later, on the exact day of the Hebrew calendar, Elul 29, uh, and to the exact hour after the market crashed in 2001, it bottomed out again in 2008. Seven years, exactly. Today is the seventh year of a seven-year cycle. And this is a little 29 on God's calendar. And God's, uh, we'll have Rosh Hashanah tonight at, 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 at sunfall, at, at sunset. It'll start the, the celebration of Rosh Hashanah. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about it as well. But, um, you know, this, this time it marks the Shemitah year. And a Shemitah year is the seventh year of a seven year cycle. Everybody get that? Everybody say Shemitah. Yeah. Shemitah. And we've talked a little bit about this throughout this year, through this, the beginning of this year, actually before the uh, 2015 started, but we, we were talking about it. There's been a lot of writings and things about the four blood moons. On the 28th of this month will be the fourth blood moon that will, will appear. There's been some very interesting things in the, in the heavenlies realms that's, that's come about. Um, but this Shemitah year, again, it's every seventh year on the, the cycle is the Shemitah year. And Elul 29, the last day in that year of a Shemitah year, always seems to be pretty amazing. Some interesting things happen. But this Shemitah year and this Elul 29 ends not only a seven-year cycle, but a, a set of seven-year cycles. So that brings this to, the, to a Jubilee time, which the... Jewish people don't celebrate because of different reasons. Uh, there's some disagreement over the scripture that says when, until all the people are gathered into the land, then they won't celebrate that because it's a time that, of giving back the, to every man to his, to his land that he, that he owned and some different things. But um, I think there's some neat things about us as believers and, and celebrating God, and, and God never changes, amen? Man changes, and, but God still, he, he set these feasts in, and so I just think that there's something pretty interesting about this entering into this jubilee cycle, and um, and, and I believe that God's got some things in store for us. I really do. Um, you know, I guess the question is, what does all this mean on on God's timetable and on his his uh, You know, on what he's doing in, in our midst. And it, you know, the question has to be asked: Is this the is the end near? You know, you see those signs, people hold up, the, the end is near. Well, is the end near? What do you think? So, Show of hands. If you think it's pretty close, just raise your hand. They did a survey, and about 41% of uh, Americans uh, believe that. That's Christians and non-Christians as well. Um, you know, are we the terminal generation? Will this be it? I mentioned a while ago at sundown today... Um, is the beginning of Rosh Hashanah or it's also called Yom Teruah which means Teruah means shout Uh, it's also a blast it means a blast the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air wouldn't this be a great time for Teruah I believe it's going to happen Uh, we just don't know exactly which one and also you know throughout the the tribulation time there's seven trumpets that sound and it could could that be you know at each year at that particular time we don't know Jesus even said that no man knows the the hour or the day or about that day and he was he clarified that day meaning the day of the Lord no man knows about that day Uh, but God gives us some little hidden patterns and. I'm sorry, but I just can't help it. I, I get in, get excited and want to look. I get interested in that, those things and want to see, you know, uh, the mind of God. If There's just no way we can comprehend that. But still, it's just so amazing how he puts everything together with exactness and preciseness of, you know, hours and minutes and seconds. I laid awake thinking last night that says that uh, a day with the Lord is as a thousand years with us. Or a thousand years is as a, well, one day with the Lord. And I thought, well. Hmm. So if it's if one day is a thousand years, what would one hour be? And I think it was like forty-one years and something, almost not quite forty-two years. I thought, wow, you know, when God snaps his finger, you know that's about there's three and a half days or something right there. So, um, but we're going to celebrate Rosh Hashanah, or it, it enters in tonight. Don't you wish you had one of these? These was. <laughs> Best drink in the world because God made it. Um, the Feast of Trumpets, Yam Teruah, the tradition teaches that uh, on Rosh Hashanah, each person is written down for good or a poor year, for a good year or for a poor year, based on their actions in the previous one. How was your year this year? How will you be recorded? How will you be remembered by God? Nehemiah writes in his book that's named after him, uh, Remember me with kindness, O oh God. Amen. Um, so I, I've got some little facts here about. Uh, would y'all want to hear some of these things about uh, the the uh, Taurua Yam and about uh, Elul twenty nine? Um, but anyway, it says tradition teaches that on Rosh Hashanah, each person is written down for a good or for a poor year based on their actions in the previous one, and their uh, their sincere efforts at the atoning or the atoning of their mistakes that they've they or harm that they've caused, and so you know it depends. Have you recognized your faults? Have you asked God to forgive you and different things? Ten days later, ten days after this is is um, Yom Kippur, and um, it's noted that on that day, your fate is sealed. If you haven't, you know. Uh, received forgiveness, or asked for forgiveness, or you haven't even thought about it, or you didn't care about it, or whatever. Or you hadn't thought about the things of the Lord, and whether you were following Him or not, and you didn't ask for forgiveness. You go down recorded in that particular thing. Now, aren't you glad that He says that He uh, removes us as far as the east is from the west? He removes our sins from us. But uh, you will know that note that in the seven churches in the Book of Revelation, it says, uh, you know, about their, it speaks about their deeds and what they have done, and that we are. Uh, We need to be careful about the deeds that we do. And I think that if we are conscious of them and we ask God to forgive us and direct us, he does forgive us and he begins to lead us and we need to have a hearing ear to hear what he's saying. And so then we get those things lined out. Isn't it a time of aligning? You know, that's why the blood moons are like they are, because things are lining up. Tonight or in the morning at 2.42 Eastern Standard Time will be a solar eclipse. Of course, we won't see it at 2.42, but if you're in Madagascar, in Africa, you will. But it's interesting that uh, there will be a solar eclipse on this particular day. That hasn't happened for quite a while, and it won't happen again for quite a while. So 10 days after Rosh Hashanah is Yom Kippur, and the fate is sealed. Uh, What about Shemitah, the Shemitah year? and What does that mean? It, It simply means release or rest and release. So it can be a blessing, but it can also be judgment, because it also means fall, collapse, shaking. And if we fail to acknowledge the things of God, he will shake those things, and it's like he, he evens them out. And so history has proven that uh, it is a very precise seven-year cycle, this Shemitah is, and that it affects uh, economy, it affects physical realities, you know, things that are uh, going on—it's like a leveling device that God uses, and uh, He brings all things back down to to, to even. Um, for instance, in 586 B.C., it was the the Shemitah year of 586 B.C. was the fall of Jerusalem, and they entered into 70 years captivity. And why did they enter into captivity? Because they weren't following God's order of things, His design, and especially they weren't following His His a design for the Shemitah year so God set things back to even I didn't say he got even I said hey, he set things back to even um it's kind of like Dirty Harry in his movie <laughs> I'm not referring God to di- Dirty Harry but uh, but you know he when he looked at the guy he says y- you got to ask yourself one question do I feel lucky and so you know hey if in the Shemitah year, I guess you got to ask yourself this question Do I feel lucky? Do I want to, you know, gamble this thing? Do I want to do what I want to do? Or do I need to follow God's design? Isn't that really the thing that, that happens every day when we get up? Do we want to follow his, his principles and His purpose, or do we want to follow our principles and our purpose? That's what it is every day. So, hey, punk, do you feel lucky? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think God would quote dirty Harry and saying uh, go ahead and make my day or something like that or um, it's something that's interesting also along this line of economic collapses and the Shemitah in 1973 the the last five great economic uh, collapses were in 1973, 1980, 1987 then in 2001 and 2008 and all of them on a Shemitah and the last two 2001 and 2008 on not only the Shemitah but Elul 29 now Elul 29 is falling today on Sunday so the stock market is not open <coughs> huh so it, what's confusing is that we're we're so used to our our calendar that you know these days it, like they'll move around a little bit or you know it might move one day next year uh, September the 13th will be on a what on a Monday or does it go backwards? One of the, but it just moves one year or one day per year. We kind of keep track of that, but not on God's calendar. It's all by seasons, and so um, these dates. That's why it goes kind of under the radar a little bit because we don't look for it. We're looking at our calendar, and until Jonathan Kahn and some of these guys begin to look back through history and begin to research this out, nobody knew that. These economic collapses happened on Elul 29. And there's some things that tied them all together. And it's like, whoa, what's the common denominator here? Elul 29 and mankind doing what they want to do. On Elul 29, the financial accounts are wiped away. That's what happens. That's what God does, and that's what he promised. The financial accounts are wiped away. Debts are canceled, and the land is to be given a Sabbath rest according to Deuteronomy 15, 1 and 2, and Leviticus 25, 3 and 6, with Elul 29 being the last day of the civil calendar on the the Jewish calendar. So it's it's when all debts are wiped away and uh, all accounts are wiped away, and if we don't follow God's design, then he does that. He has an interesting way of bringing it, leveling the field. This Shemitah year, we've seen throughout this year that the nation of greece is seeing its financial crisis grow worse by the day and uh, some are wondering if china might be facing its 1929 moment in their stock Uh, and against this interesting backdrop of economic things that are happening have been happening throughout this Shemitah year that started last september and runs through um You know, the Bank of International Settlements has warned, quoting this, has warned that the world is unable to fight the next global financial crash because central banks have spent everything they have to overcome the last meltdown. The mystery of Lul 29 reveals astonishing accounts of everything from world wars, the rise and fall of nations, economic recessions, and financial uh, collapses, and it also has effect on you and your future. I mentioned Jonathan Kahn a while ago. He, he said, um, he's the, the author of The Harbinger and the Mystery of the Shemitah. He says, in September, I quote, in September, the Shemitah reaches its peak on Elul 29 today, the day of nullification when all debts and credit are wiped away. Wouldn't it be awesome? Wouldn't it be awesome? All debts and you know, just it's all wiped away but see that's what God wants to do God is a good God Amen. he gets a bad rap he's not dirty hairy. <laughs> he gets a bad rap he really does because he wants to bless us Amen. and he's designed it if we could just function under his design but it doesn't make sense to our natural mind that on this day the day of nullification All your debt and all your credit would be wiped away. The markets have been largely, he goes on to say, he says, the markets have been largely expanding for several years. So to see the sudden destabilization of the global financial realm in Greece, Europe, and China, the very fact that such sudden destabilization occurred on the Shemitah year, this year, is its conclusion may be taken as the first alarm. Something's up. What are the signs of the times? I jotted a few things down just for us to take a look. Just this year, some, some things that, just, that I would have never thought. The, uh, first, first of all, that's happened in our time frame that hasn't happened for about 2,000 years is the four blood moons, the biblical Shemitah that, that we have been in. Also, though, in our nation, the Supreme Court decision legalizing same-sex marriage, the dangerous Iranian nuclear deal, and a world drowning in debt, and dangling on the edge of economic uh, uh, catastrophe. I can say that, catastrophe. And, um, you know, all this really looks like it's forming up to the end-time Babylon, Babylon the Great. It's a world system that builds. There's a political Babylon, and there's a religious Babylon that that builds up. And all these signs are just keep... Making more and more evident, revealing the ugly ugly head of this beast, so to speak that's that's raising up that I, you know things that I would have never you read them in the Bible, but you never think that they're going to just you're going to see things begin to materialize in front of you. Today, the world is facing uh moral and social chaos It's crazy spiritual deception is we're seeing uh, proliferation. Like, Proliferation of a cult, and then you throw in a little uh, spat of historical um, or disasters of historic proportions, and uh, we got drought that's uh, worldwide, that's, uh, that's record breaking, uh, and also extreme weather, and um, then this growing risk of nuclear negligence by Iran. I mean, this thing is a, is a pot that's, that's boiling. Uh, read Psalm 82, and then go, not right now, but I mean at home in your Bible study, and then go into Psalm 83. Remember, there's going to be the war, the battle of Psalm 83. But read Psalm 82 before that and go in and just see how things are lining up and what's what's taking place. Franklin Graham, uh, he's the president now of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, says that uh, the defining moment for America and humanity has arrived. Do you believe that? the defining moment. Wow. Is that how we want to go into God's records for eternity being defined as this type of nation? I need to teach uh, a little short mini series on the nations and how they enter into the millennial reign and the, the, the judgment of the nations. But there are sheep nations and there are goat nations. And boy, I tell you what, it's, it's, Not looking too good here as we continue to press on, but Billy Graham, or uh, Franklin Graham says that um, the defining moment for America and humanity has arrived. He goes on to say, as a nation, we have uh, arrogantly turned our back on God, and he says, I believe God's judgment will come against our country. Uh, as the world waits to see, going on, it says, as the world waits to see whether the last of the four blood moons and the biblical Shemitah will, will be, bring economic collapse, war, other calamities, or the fulfillment of prophecies related to Israel, one thing is clear. We are now witnessing what appears to be the perfect prophetic storm. Everything is coming together and it's churning politically, economically, uh, spiritually. You know, for years I've been warning that America was progressing down the, uh, a course of apostasy and judgment. I've caught a little flack for doing that, but somebody's got to sound the alarm. And it's, it's, I'm, I'm glad to see from pulpits now across America that more and more uh, preachers are sounding the alarm that America needs to wake up, needs to turn around, and we're just heading down a course of apostasy. And that leads to judgment from God. Uh, America's relationship with Israel has <laughs> it's at an all time low and now uh with the the striking down of the the biblical definition of marriage, which is the very order of god we've we've crossed a a fateful line I think, and um, it's all converging into uh, th- this like I said this beast so to speak and um, and these things are are with global proportions as well. I mean, you'd think that America would would hold out and to be, to be a godly nation. Uh, it, it's sad. It really is. Uh, most highly respected biblical uh, or Bible prophets or prophecy uh, experts, uh, they agree that on um, uh, that we are now experiencing unparalleled acceleration and convergence in the end time uh, signs and. They are, they're being manifested. So, something's coming. And I've been sensing it. And, and what I hear, I hear a word from the Lord that's saying that there is a great shaking, a great shaking. I said, Lord, can you give us a little bit more than that? And I think he's like, you don't want to know. But yet that part of us, we really do want to know. And then I just hear, line up. Line up, line up. I thought I was back in kindergarten. (laughs) Getting ready to go to the playground or something. Line up, line up. Or hear the word align. And then I got to thinking about it, meditating on that. And that's really what this Shemitah is all about is alignment. As things pull together, planets and everything's lining up. God causes the planets to line up. But he won't force you. He won't force you. And what happens then is we get then the results of that. God gives us opportunity. He gives us chances. And, uh, but he won't force us. And so it's up to us. Uh, will this time be judgment or will it be revival? And God said yes. You know, you can have revival in the midst of judgment. In fact, some of the best revivals come from judgment because people turn, turn, but I believe the best is yet to come. So I've got some good news for you today. I really believe that the best is yet to come to those who are watching, waiting, and expecting him. Amen? It's some difficult times, some challenging times. I'd like for you to open your Bibles to the book of Haggai, the second chapter. If you can't find that, well then... Trust me now, look it up later. Maybe your pages are stuck together there. It's never been opened, but uh, it is a pretty familiar passage of Scripture. I've used this text uh, several different times. Haggai chapter 2 and verse 6 through 9. Maybe it'll sound familiar to you when you hear this. This is what the Lord Almighty says. You see, Lord of hosts is simply uh, more defined as almighty <laughs> over everything. This is what the Lord Almighty says, in a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. That's pretty inclusive, isn't it? I will shake all nations and the desired of all nations will come. Now, let me pause there just for a second because there's some uh, differences of opinion about what that means. Some think, well, the desired of all nations would be the Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you think that every nation on the face of the earth is really desiring Jesus to come back? I don't think some of them are really looking. They don't want him. They don't believe in him, and they've kicked him out, and that's what America's trying to do. Because I used to really emphasize that the desired of all nations will come. Jesus is coming in his glory. Well, that is the case. He's going to come. Because what happens is, is what these nations desire comes upon them. It says in the book of Romans that when it's talking about mankind and man, the nature of mankind, it says God gave them up to a reprobate mind. When God gives up, you're in pretty bad shape. And, and that's what I'm hearing, emphasizing in this time, that we're, as I read this this time, is that God gives them, uh, you know, and the desire of all nations comes. What they're desiring, let them have it. Let them have it and see see what that really brings. You really want that? Yeah. It's like this guy said. You really want to go out and celebrate on Saturday night or Friday night? You think that's just and then you wake up with your head in the toilet. That's, your head's in a place where it's not supposed to be. Your head's not supposed to be there, you know. Or and you, and you call and we think that's fun. I mean, you know, because we desired all week. We worked all week long. I say we. You know, used to a long, long time ago. Work all week long so we can walk, party. And then you wake up the next morning, is that what you really wanted? Was that your desire? (laughs) Yeah. I think it was old Willie Nelson used to sing a song a long time ago. He said, I went home at two with a 10 and woke up at 10 with a two. You know, it's not always the way that we expect things, you know, but it says, uh, but he says here in verse seven, I will shake all nations and the desired of all nations will come and I will fill this house with glory. Now, when this stuff is happening, while judgment is coming, God says, if those that are watching and waiting, my people and the church of the living God, he says, I'll fill this house with glory. <laughs> glory is abundance. It's, it's uh, authority, power, and wealth. It's his splendid character being manifested. He said, while all that's going on, he says, I'll let them have what they desire, and I'll come meet with those that desire me. And I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh, he says in Joel. So he says, I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty again. You might want to write that in if it says host, because that's what it means. Now look at this, verse 8. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord. Why do you throw that in there, God? We were talking about glory. We are talking about all this good stuff and shaking. You throw in this, the silver is mine, the gold is mine. Well, because that's what it's all about. In the, the stock market uh, collapsing and seeing all this economical collapse because the greed of mankind for gold and silver and all the things. And when you start having financial cr- crunches, what do you do? You hunker down and you don't spend. And one of the things that goes is your tithes and offerings. Oh, say oh me if you can't say amen. We do that. It's kind of like a built-in uh, survival thing. But it's a lie of the devil because that's not how you come out of a, of a, a drought you got to sow seed to have a harvest. If you're expecting to have a harvest over there, you better plant seed here to get through to the harvest. People say, well, Pastor, uh, this Shemitah year, they didn't, they didn't go out and work. They didn't till their their, um, their fields, and they didn't have crops. And so that means that we don't have to give through that year? And, uh, and I get to rest? Well, no, you don't really have to because on the sixth year, you... God said, if you'll follow my design, I'll give you three times as much on that one year. So it'll take you through that, the sixth year, the seventh year, and all the way through the eighth year. And while you're still, while you're harvesting what the new stuff out of that, that, in that eighth year or the new one first year of the, seven, the next seven year cycle, you're still, having, uh, you're still living off of what you got off the sixth year. That's what God will do. Yeah. Now, you can't explain it, but it happens. How many of you said you've seen God do that in your finances? Yeah. I don't know how it happens. I know my mom used to say I'd get a speeding ticket or something like that or have something go wrong and it cost me, you know, I was younger and, and man, I struggled pain. She said, well, let me ask you, did you pay your tithe off that? <laughs> now, mommy, you're getting personal. <laughs> well, how much was your tithe supposed to be? Same amount as this ticket. <laughs> There's a whole lot of shaking going on. It all shakes down to to even. It'll all even out. God steps back. If that's supposed to be His and you don't give it to Him, He says, fine. So you know what happens? The devil rushes in and takes it. And He'll slap you on the way out. Verse 7 again in Haggai 2. I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations will come, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord. So don't worry about it, I threw that in. Verse 9, the glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. I will grant peace. I will grant shalom. What does that mean? shalom i will grant completeness i will grant soundness i will grant well-being wow so it's going to be complete just depends on which side of the completeness you're on the judgment side or the blessing side because it's going to be all settled out it cycles around 2001 boom 2008 boom 2015, we're waiting for the other shoe to drop. Had some ups and downs and some different things, and people are really watching it. Well, what's going to happen? I don't know. I'm not worried about it, because I'm trusting the economic system in heaven where the silver and the gold, the owner of the silver and the gold is. Amen? Besides, I don't have anything anyway to lose. So if if you give it all to God, you don't have anything to lose. And if you don't have anything to lose, you are a dangerous individual. Did you know that? You ever think about that? When everybody's all nervous and jumping out of buildings in the stock market, God's got it all. If it's his, now I'm not telling you not to own stock. I'm just saying when you do, you need to be a manager, a steward of that, and hear what God says to do. I lost a lot of money one time because I know I heard God say get out and I didn't I talked to some other people and some different ones and thought you know and they said oh no just hang on it's gonna get and about two o'clock that afternoon <laughs> boy before you could even think it had hit the bottom and run out wow and I go hmm see I knew that I've heard God and all kinds of, never heard him about that before. I never thought about listening for God about what to do in the stock market. Well, I learned a big lesson. You want to listen for sure. If you're gonna, what do they say? If you're gonna run with the big dogs, you gotta get off the porch or something like that. I mean, you got, you know, you better have a hearing ear because it shouldn't be yours anyway. It ought to be God's. God, what do we need to do with this? It's yours. I just want to be a steward of it. I want to be uh, you know, I want to be your servant, I just want to manage this for you. So he says that, I will grant peace. And the very last verse there, he says, declares the Lord. He says, I will grant peace in this place. And peace is shalom, completeness, meaning having all the necessary or appropriate parts entire. It's going to be settled. And he'll shake. He might have to shake us loose from some things and shake some things loose from us. Ouch. Ouch. But sometimes we get too attached and it's time. Have you ever seen in a, a pecan orchard how they'll come up and they got that thing on a tractor or they got that big machine? It's got these arms and it wraps around the trunk. Some of those big old pecan trees are huge. And it grabs them like that and then it starts going. And pecans just start raining down. You ever see that? I've felt that before, I think. <laughs> and, you know, that's a great, if you got a great pecan harvest, right? So that's good. Shaking's good. But sometimes shaking is getting your attention and shaking some things loose from you and shaking us loose from some things. And wow. Completeness. Soundness. A state of uh, or condition free from damage or decay. Wow. That sounds like some healing might ought to be involved in there. A state of or condition free of damage or decay. Well-being. The basic physical and material well-being of people in need. So he says, I will grant peace, completeness, having all the necessary or appropriate stuff, to every, having everything that you need, a soundness, a state or condition being free from damage or decay, well-being, the basic physical and material well-being of people, everything you ever needed right there. He said, I'm going to grant peace. I grant it right here. But it's contained in that set of verses where he said, this is what the Lord Almighty says, in a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations and the desired of all nations will come. Let me tell you, you can run, but you can't hide when God's doing some shaking like that. And I heard as clear as I have ever heard God say, there's going to be some shaking. Line up, align yourself Align with me and my purpose, my principle. if we're lined up with him, hey, I want to get behind him. If I was a running back, I would in, I would ask if J.J. J. J. Watt could you know at least be play you know tailback or, fo- or whatever the one that runs in front of the, the other uh, running back and, and you know and clear out some people for me. I want to just get behind him. I want to get behind Jesus. <laughs> You know, and I'm just going to line up with him. Wherever he goes, I know he's going to create a hole for me. He, he's going to make some daylight there, and I'm just going to follow him and, and go on in. That's the way we need to do in our life, just follow him. He will take care of all the opposition that's coming your way and knock it out of the way and just create a hole for you to go through. You knew I'd have to get some football in there, didn't you? Line up. So the best is yet to come. Say it with me the best is yet to come come on let's do it again the best is yet to come line up with God line up with his ways line up with his will God moves in seasons now if we're going to line up with him you got to know this God moves in seasons not necessarily our seasons his seasons and that's why we need to understand the times that's why we need to know what he does and how he moves and it's no secret It really isn't. He keeps sending warnings and he's, I mean, gives these big signals and signs. I mean, it's like, what do you need? What else do you need to know? I wrote it down four or 5,000 years ago and, you know, I gave you plenty of warning ahead of time and now I'm showing it to you. It's like, hello, what else do you need? Wow. So let's line up with his will and his way. And, And he moves in seasons. Move with him. Move with him. Find out what God's doing and just get on the same page with him. Get the same playbook. You know, it always amazes me those quarterbacks have those things on their arms. You know, they look at those plays and stuff like that, you know. But if they got to write it down, I mean, I don't know who the smartest person in the huddle is. I'm not real sure, but, you know... Uh, most of the time, some of those running backs get hit a few times more than what the quarterback does. And so if the quarterback has to write it down, I'm kind of wondering, does he know what's going on? Did he go right when he's supposed to go left? <laughs> you know, maybe some of those incomplete passes really isn't the quarterback. Maybe his receiver was supposed to be over there. I don't know. I'm just saying, you know, line up <laughs> with the person that's got the, the plan, the playbook. And God has it. And that's all we got to do is just follow him. I'm not worried about it. Call the play. Tell me, left or right? <laughs> that's all, left or right? You know, that's all we need to know. The silver's his, the gold is his. He's doing the shaking, we just get behind him. And like that old song way back there was, and I believe, I got a feeling everything's gonna be all right. I need to see if I I used to have a soundtrack on that. If I could find a cassette player to play it, some of you don't even know what a cassette player is. You sure have a hard time with an eight-track player, wouldn't you? Hallelujah. In Zechariah, and you can turn there if you want, in chapter 10, verse 1, it's, it's simple. In, in the, the amplified version of verse 1 in Zechariah 10, it says, Ask of the Lord, reign in the time of the latter or spring rain. Ask the, for the Lord. Ask for rain in the time of rain. Ask for rain in the season of rain. You know why we don't get some of our prayers answered? Because we're asking for stuff and it's not the season for that. Now, I know that October's coming up and, and Ruth's mom lives down there by Brownsville and they go down there to see him around Christmas time or Thanksgiving and, and so I'm going to put my water in for some of those, whatever those kind of oranges were that you brought back last time. Those things are so, you, you eat it it's just like. <laughs> I had to go outside to eat the, the, the orange, you know. Now, I'm asking for oranges in the orange season because I go into to wherever I go into to buy fruit. And if it's not seasoned for it, you know, they let it sit on something to, to turn whatever color it's, gonna, it's supposed to. It tries to turn when it's not even supposed to turn that because it's not the season for it. You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) So God says, Ask for rain in the season of rain. When it's the season for rain. Well, what season is it? (laughs) That's what, what season is it? What day is it? Help me out here. We don't, because we don't know. So it says, Ask in season. Well, I just told you earlier, it's the Jubilee season. It's the jubilee season. So, you know, some people are just so nervous and they're afraid to get up. They're afraid to do anything tomorrow or what's going to happen, all this stuff. I'm saying, man, I got a feeling everything's going to be all right. Because, see, I'm not asking for that. I'm asking for jubilee. I'm asking for emancipation. He said, what, (laughs) what? I'm, I'm asking, Lord, set me free from this stuff. Worries and fear and doubt. Jubilee is a time of restoration and emancipation and restoration. I want to be some things restored to me. What the devil has stolen, it needs to be restored back. So I'm going to ask to be set free in the season of being free. Now, I want to tell you something. If you can be free when it's not the season of being free, can you imagine being free in the season of freedom? Man, oh man. Release. I'm going to ask for release In the season of release, release that, God. Release it. I'm praying for a release. I left church this morning about 2.30 and just drove around praying over the parking lot. Got home, I was so pumped up. Finally, I looked at the clock. It was 5.40 in the morning. And I said, Paul David, you need to get sleep. And I said to myself, "Self." You're too excited to go to sleep. <laughs> Everything's going to be all right. I wasn't, you know, what was interesting? I wasn't worried about anything. I wasn't staying awake because I was, I was staying awake because I was excited about some things. <laughs> man, I'm telling you, get ready. Amen. Oh, <laughs> the other bride has made herself ready, but get ready for release. Get ready for restoration. Ask for it. Hmm. It's a time of increase. So ask for increase in the season of increase. Leviticus 26, verses 3 through 6. I, refer, I gave reference to this scripture earlier. But listen what, what the word of the Lord says there in Leviticus 26, verse 3. If you follow my decrees and are careful to obey my commands, I will send you rain in its season... And the ground will yield its crops and the trees of the field their fruit. Because, see, these plants and stuff and tree, you know, all these crops are there on a season also. So, there's a time when you gotta have the rain at the right time. In Kansas, when the, the Russian immigrants came in there, nobody could do anything with the bad lands of Kansas. It frees down and get below zero temperature. I worked out at a minus 22 actual temperature there, minus 42 windshield. I'm talking about the armpit of the world, people. And nobody knew what to do with that because then it gets as hot there as it does here in August. But th- those Russian immigrants came in. They said, oh, we got some winter wheat, winter wheat. They plant it when it's, and they have to have, they want to have snow because the snow comes and it melts down and it it Uh, gives birth to those, those seeds and they plant winter wheat that's amazing didn't even know there was a season for winter wheat well when i moved down here people had gardens and they had like they'd have two or three different gardens you know well boy up there you only get a chance one shot at one you know like a regular garden for you know tomatoes and stuff like that because that's it down here you've got different types of seasons it's different wow we need to know those seasons. We need to get on on board with them. And he says, uh, "I will send you rain in its season, and the ground will yield its crops, and the trees of the field their fruit, because they need it during that season." We don't know exactly what we're going to go into, but we know that there's seasons, and so in that season there will need there'll be a need for provision. There'll be a need for, for. Uh, healing and protection health and strength to get through those things and, and here we go so that's what we need to ask for that when we get to that point that we're praying ahead we need to prophesy to our future it ought to be lined out and then we just follow him line up and follow him so he says i will send you rain in this season and the ground will yield its crops and the trees of the field their fruit Verse 5, your threshing will continue until grape harvest, and the grape harvest will continue until planting, and you will eat all the food you want and live in safety in your land, and I will grant peace in the land. There he says it again. He goes on and says some other things. Verse 9, and then he comes back and he says, I will look on you, on you with favor and make you fruitful and increase your numbers, and I will keep my covenant with you you will, you will still be eating last year's harvest when you will have to move it out to make room for the new. Like Charlie says, I got too much. I, I say, how's he say it? Uh, this, uh, how are you doing? He says, I got, more than I, can, I got more money than I can spend or something like that. How does he say that? I got more than I can spend. And I remember him saying that during his roughest time of his life financially. I say, hey, bud, how are you doing? I'm praying for you. I got more money I can spend that meant basically what he says he's cut his spending down he became he cut his spending down so that he would have more money than what he could spend because he wasn't gonna spend more than what he had hello but he was he was declaring he was prophesying to his future when there would be a harvest and we're going to get through this time and we'll get over to the harvest and god says you know what i'm going to make room for you and and he says and and your harvest is going to continue even into the next portion now think about this he said ask for rain in the time of rain ask in season okay we got that now look back at, at Verses 3 and 4. Look at verse 4 back there in Leviticus 26. It says, I will send you rain in its season, and the ground will yield its crops and the trees of the field their fruit. Okay, awesome. Got it. But what is verse 3 before that? How did this whole thing start off in verse 3? If. He starts out with, if. If you follow my decrees and are careful to obey my commands... He starts with that. He clarifies the whole thing. He tells them what he's going to tell them. And he tells them the good stuff. But it's all contingent upon if. If you follow my decrees and are careful to obey my commands, I will send you rain in its season. But if you're not, then what? Then he won't send rain in, the se- in your season. Did you catch that? There'll be judgment or there'll be revival. There's going to be some shouting. Some of it's going to be for good. Some of it's going to be for bad. So if you follow my decrees and are careful to obey my commands. What? What decrees? What commands today? What do we, how do we do that? Because see... When this happens, we get in that season of drought and financial pressure that we probably got ourselves in anyway because we spent more than we had or whatever, But and we weren't paying attention. We weren't listening to God because we were making our own financial decisions, but we didn't realize that, that every financial decision is a spiritual decision. I'm not getting any amens out of this. All right? And so we got ourselves into a place that we really don't need to be in, and so when the the pressure comes of that. We let fear grip us, and we try to figure out how we're going to do this. Right? Fear comes, dread, and and we're like, oh, my goodness. And so we're afraid, and we're dreading what's going to happen next, and we're confused, and here we go. Wait a minute. We're a believer. Are we to be fear and dread? No, faith and hope over here, right? And expectation. So we, we clench our fists to hold on to what we have, the little that we have, and we look at the little that we have, and we hold on to that, and here we go, and we're just going right down with it. Why? Because we have failed to follow the design. How much can one seed produce? can bring about a full plant, right, that produces many other seeds. So if you hang on to your seed and you never plant your seed, you're not going to have a harvest. And what good does the rain do anyway when it comes? If you're holding on to your seed, it's raining. Oh, no, oh, there's rain. It's just raining. It's had to be, that's all that can happen. It's bad enough, and now it starts raining. Well, what's the rain? Rain would have been the provision that you needed if you would have been there in the season, if you'd got your seed in the ground or whatever it was. See, if you'd got it in the ground, then the rain would have been producing something. But no, on the other side of it, it's just miserable. Miserable rain and mud. Everywhere mud. Why has he got stuff growing over there and he don't have those mud running off, no mud slides over there? Because he planted his stuff. We try to figure it out on our own, and we don't realize that the victory is ours, the battle is the Lord's. Well, I'm trying to fight this battle, and so I'm, I'm doing the best I can. Pastor, you just don't understand. I'm doing the best I can, and, and I just can't afford this, and I can't afford that, and I can't afford this, and I can't afford that. Well, of course you can, because you already said you couldn't. I don't know how we make it. I don't know how we make it but I do know how, God, line up, line up, somehow or another, he makes it work, but now that don't mean that, you know, I'm rolling the dice, and do I feel lucky, punk, no, (laughs) no, I'm lining up, but not, you do what he says to do, you plant when he says plant, and then he sends the rain, which is the blessings of his promises upon that, and it brings forth the harvest, and then we' got a harvest that carries us in to the next season. I got more than I can spend. because we prophesied to our future that we would have it. and we lined up with God's word and His will. I don't know if you get anything out of this or not. Proverbs 21:30, and then we, we've got to start pulling this down because we want, we've got to have received communion today and we've got to get right. Before Yom Kippur gets here, Kippur. You're gonna be, it's poor you if you don't get right with God in the next 10 days. Proverbs 21, verse 30. There is no wisdom, no insight, no plan that can can succeed against the Lord. The horse is made ready for the the day of battle, but victory rests with the Lord. Now, why don't we know that? We're all full of fear and dread, trying to figure out how we're going to get out of this mess, and, and, and I, gotta, I can't afford this, I can't afford that, I can't afford this, I can't afford that. And then, it's wait a minute, he says that there's no wisdom, there's no insight, there's no plan to concede. Why? Because who's bringing the shaking? Who's doing the shaking? Did we forget? It's God. He said, I will shake everything that can be shake, shaken. So there's no wisdom, there's no insight, there's no plan that can stop God from shaking what he wants to shake. God can shake whatever he wants to shake. And you can't do nothing about it. You might get your horse all ready for battle, but the victory rests in the Lord. So you better line up with him. Because when you get lined up with him, he's already got the victory. Thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. But no, we're going to feel sorry for ourselves. We're going to have a pity party. And we're going to let the devil just push us on further down. We're going to get full of fear and dread. And oh my goodness, I don't know what's going to happen next. Why don't you come to him and trust him? I'm preaching to myself too. If I got one finger going there, there's four pointing back at me. So just, you know, know that. Again there in Haggai it says, this is what the Lord Almighty says, in a little while I will. Once more, shake the heavens and the earth the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations and the desire of all nations will come and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. Hallelujah. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, declares the Lord. What are we worried about? The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, completeness, everything that you need. I'll take care of it. It's finished. It's done. (laughs) Hallelujah. Now, we already received the offering, so don't get nervous. Because I'm going to read from Malachi. Everybody said, But I'm going to read some verses. I'm going to take you someplace you've never been before. I'm going to take you past. I'm going to read verse 10, but I'm going to take you past verse 10. Buckle your seatbelts, here it comes. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. Isn't that what we were talking about a while ago? Verse 11, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. You have said hard. No, then he goes, listen. Now, let's see if you've heard this before. You've said harsh things against me, says the Lord. Yet you ask, what have we said against you? You have said, it is futile to serve God. What did we gain by carrying out his requirement and going about like mourners before the Lord Almighty? I've tried that. What good... I've, I've... tied before and i didn't see any difference and and we talked about god verse 15 but now we call the arrogant blessed we'll see them they're getting better by better than me and i'm supposed to be certain god's supposed to be blessing me certainly the evildoers prosper and even this is what they're saying and even those who challenge god escape that's what these people are saying they're mocking God. Verse 16. Then those who feared the Lord talked with each other. Those that were reverent and feared the Lord, they were respectful to the Lord, they talked with each other. And the Lord listened and he heard. He heard what they were saying. When he said, Lord, I thank you that you are my God. You supply all my needs according to your riches and glory. And, and then you You put cast your care upon him because he cares for you. It says a scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. Hmm. They will be mine, he says, says the Lord Almighty. In the day when I make up my treasured possession, when I'm putting my bride together, everything that I treasure, he said, those are the ones that's going to be of my bride. I will spare them, is what he says. I will spare them, Revelation 3.10. Because you have kept the word of my patience and have endured, he says, I will keep you from that hour of trial that's coming upon the whole world. He says, I will spare them just as in compassion a man spares his son who serves him and you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked between those who serve God and those who do not. I want to ask our ushers to just come and begin to distribute the, the communion element.